It's been a little bit of an up and down, even at times frustrating, but also magical, start for the San Diego Padres in this first month of the season. So we're going to take a look at the team's stats from offense to pitching to ERA to outs above average to batting to whatever for the team after this first month heading into this showdown tonight for the first time all season with the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know what you're listening to, folks, so let's get started. You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to an edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, May 5th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with my baseball-related work at the site Just Baseball. You might be familiar with my Twitter, which is at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-L-N-O. P-E-N-O. There we go. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at L-O underscore Padres, where I'd like to live tweet the games. I will certainly be doing that tonight for the first showdown against the Dodgers. And you can also check out the YouTube and see whatever fit or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm rocking my, my one-piece water bottle that I drink out of pretty much every show. You, whatever you want. Pac-Man, Tatis bobblehead, all that stuff. And by the way, the bobblehead, check out a link in the description if you want it of, uh, of Mr. Nando. Um, today's episode, guys, is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist, which uh, is very important, and who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownLMB today to get 10% off your first month. And today's episode is going to be fun, guys. We're going to be looking at the Padres team just from a statistical perspective and just kind of giving my thoughts on, as a whole, how the team performed this month. Um, I think that the the thesis slash the just the overall synopsis I think of the Padres so far this season has been treading water, um, but a little bit better than treading water. That almost sounds like they're like ah, like they're almost drowning. No, I would say that the Padres have just been steady. Um, and every time you think that they're gonna blow up, unfortunately they haven't. I complained a lot the other day about how it was really frustrating that with the game on the line, you got first and second nobody out. That that um, what is it? Manny, Soto, and Tatis all come up with nobody out. Can't move the runners up. That's a nice microcosm of the Padres' offense this year. But but um, they've also had some good stuff. And every time it looks like they might be falling apart, they manage to come back. So again, they've just been steady. They haven't been breaking out. They haven't been that amazing, just immaculate team. I think that a lot of people expected, which is okay. That happens every now and then. But um, I think that the Padres in general, given expectations, have been a little disappointing. But given the fact that they're still 17 and 15, you could call for worse, especially again, with just like, you know, less than what is that, a sixth of the season, if I do my math correctly. Sometimes I, I'm not a big math guy all the time. But uh, yeah, they've been training water. And yes, they don't have the best run differential. They're negative three right now. They're third in their division behind the Diamondbacks, who have a 17 14 record, and the Dodgers, who, despite having a lot of players that have been just kind of underwhelming in a lot of ways and a lot of starting pitching outings where you feel like they've been getting blown up. They're still 19-13 with a run differential of plus 42. And that is, if I'm not mistaken, the third highest of any team uh, so far in the National League. So again, the Dodgers, as much as people yell at me for being like, well, they lost their stars. They lost traits. The Dodgers are more 
They're, they're the sum of their parts. You know what I mean? They're not just a, a couple of star players. And I think a reason for their success has been the breakouts of guys like James Outman. Jason Hayward's stats have been awesome. They've revitalized him to a degree. Then Miguel Vargas, who had a big game for them. He's their rookie, uh, kind of manning third base for them a little bit. Every now and then, I think, first base, but mostly third, I think. I'm not entirely sure what they do with Miguel Vargas. I haven't been paying attention. But he's a potential sneaky, uh, if you want to make bets, you know, we are sponsored by FanDuel. I think Miguel Vargas might be an interesting one for you folks out there. But enough about the other teams. Let's talk about the Padres. Um, let's talk first about starting pitching um, this season. And starting pitching has been, I think, and I think most other people think, probably what was expected to be the biggest weakness of this team. Not because the front of their rotation is bad. Uh, you know, you got Joe Musgrove, you got you Darvish, you got um, Blake Snell, but because of the back, you know, everyone says, oh, you just brought in Michael Waka, and how's Seth Lugo going to perform? And what are they going to do with Nick Martinez, right? Like, what's going to happen there? And while all of those guys have had some less than impressive starts. The back end of the rotation hasn't been too bad. They're kind of just getting into the swing of things. And to be honest, I think the back end of the rotation has been pretty friggin' solid uh, for the most part, I would say, honestly. Michael Waka currently rocking a 5.46 ERA, which isn't great, but he's had some good starts every now and then. And given that I think that there was some regression expected for him, I'm totally fine with it. You know what I mean? I, I think it's going to go down. I don't think he's going to be a 5 ERA guy. But again... He's a guy who is just going to try and fill innings and be decent for the team. The exciting stuff has been with guys like Seth Lugo, who's currently rocking a 3.2. I don't know how long that's going to last, but I like I really wonder about that. He actually has the highest sprint rate in all of Major League Baseball on his curveball, which was brought up by my buddy Clay Snowden on the last episode, which is cool. That's been like a nice put-away pitch for him. But I am still worried because people are hitting him hard, and it's not like he's striking out enough batters. So I am worried that that 3.2 ERA is a little bit misleading, and that's going to um, change down the line a little bit. But, uh, you know, for the most part, again, this has been a little bit of a – a rocky start for the starting pitching department. And while I think that a guy like Lugo may regress and whatnot, I think that, um, what's it called? Other guys are going to step up. Namely, Joe Musgrove and Blake Snell, I think, are going to step up. But as it currently stands, the Padres as a team are 14th in Major League Baseball and starting pitching ERA. Obviously, there's some teams you expect up there, like your Tampa Bay Rays, I think, were a lot of people, even to a degree the Giants, because I think they have a really good pitching staff. You know, the Astros, the Brewers, um, you know, but there's some other teams above them that aren't as, uh, like, encouraging, I guess, when you consider how they've performed worse. Teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates have been above. Teams like the uh, Chicago Cubs have been above them. And I kind of like the Cubs rotation. I actually think that one's going to be a little bit legit. But the Pirates have to do a little bit better than that. It's okay if they... It's not going to end the world if their starting pitching isn't top five in the league. But you'd still like to see it increase, especially considering what I was just talking about with Waka and Lugo. And I don't know exactly where they're going to end up at the end of the year. Um, and also Ryan Weathers, who's been um, good at times for the team. I think, though, that overall, um, Darvish, he's got a 3.6. Totally makes sense. Musgrove, he's currently got a 10.8, but that's not exactly his fault because the Mexico City Series kind of inflated, and he just got back. So that's going to be a plus for the team. And Blake Snell probably had one of his better starts of the season against the Reds the other day. Going six innings, he only gave up three runs, and he didn't walk anybody, he struck at seven. So hopefully Snell is going to start entering that phase of the season 
when he starts really kicking it on. So 14th for ERA overall, I think is pretty solid um, because I think we're going to get improvements from Snell and Musgrove to make up for the back of the rotation. If Waka doesn't figure it out and if Lugo starts regressing, which is what I think might happen, I think they're more. That's more than okay. I think this Padres team. I'd be more worried if they were in like the 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 twentieth range. You know what I mean for starting pitching ERA. Um, and don't get me wrong, they still have issues, right? Like, there's still going to be issues that arise as the season goes down. We still have to worry about injuries. We have to worry about how much depth that they have. And, you know, it's 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 going to be interesting to see how it all uh, kind of plays out, I think, over the course of the season with starting pitching. Um, but one thing we also got to talk about is it just starting pitching, guys. Not just starting pitching, all right? It's not always, it's not always about the pitching, Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Uh, hold on. Let me see if I can find it really quickly. See if I could find it. Where is it? Relievers. That's what we're looking at. We're looking at relievers now, folks. I want to talk about relievers so far. And to me, this has been a really, like, it's been like there's been no middle ground, it feels like, with relievers for the San Diego Padres so far. They've kind of been a little bit up and down. Um, nothing terrible. Nothing terrible. But they've had some guys that have really regressed this year, I think. Um, that being Nabil Krizmat, that being Luis Garcia, two guys who were really awesome for the team last year, which I think also paints a good picture of just how, uh, what's it called, bullpens can often be, right? It's a, it's the most volatile position probably in the entire league, and every now and then you're going to have a guy who has the best season of their career, but then they'll follow that up with something extremely mid. And that's kind of what's happened this year, is that the Padres have had a mixture of your excellency, which is someone like Steven Wilson, who I know currently has a 4.5 ERA, which is inflated, I think, the overall team ranking. They're 20th in majors in ERA for amongst relievers. Um, granted, I think that they're going to get a little bit better when guy, other guys kind of improve um, as time goes along. But there is a little bit of a concern, um, just because there isn't like an immediate expected ERA thing that I think uh, kind of jumps out, out to me when I look at these guys. But uh, for the most part, Steven Wilson, until his last two appearances, had been really good. Um, and against the Reds, he struck out two, didn't walk any, didn't hit anybody. Uh, that was really good. But for the most part, it's just two bad outings. One against the Cubs, where he only went two-thirds of an inning, and one against San Francisco in that crazy ballpark of theirs. Um, Josh Hader's been excellent, no surprise there. Uh, we're hoping to get Drew Pomeranz back soon. Maybe he can help the bullpen as time goes on. Tim Hill, 3.2 ERA, and he's striking out more guys. Last year, that was a big problem with him, and he's been striking out just a few more guys this year, so that's nice to be seen. Um, but again, it's it's been a little bit... It's it's guys like your Stephen Wilson getting blown up. It's guys like uh, Domingo Tapia, who has improved as the season has gone along. He got sent back to the minors. He got sent back up. Um, he got lit up at the beginning of the year. Um, it's just, it's team ERA for relievers this early in the season. It could change literally within the next week. Like that thing could go immediately. They could be top eight by the end of next week. You know what I mean? That could just change so quickly, but it's because of guys like Chris Matt, um, and the, the blowups by Luis Garcia and Steven Wilson that, you know, have really hurt the team. I think overall. Um, in terms of the start, the relief pitching department. But it's okay, because I think things are going to improve. Hopefully, they can get something out of Drew Pomeranz. And I think Steven Wilson is legit. So I'm not really worried about him. And not to mention, Mr. Uh, Nick Martinez being moved to the bullpen. He's excellent in the bullpen. He's like a long-inning reliever. He could be this year's Nabil Krizmat, if the team so needs him to be. Love Nick Martinez. But you know what else I love, folks? You know what else I love? I love saving money. And let me tell you, I, I, I've, I've said this many times, you know, 
I hate when they tell you, you know, try it for three, for 30 days. You know why I hate it? Because then you forget. And then all of a sudden you're paying for multiple months. All these subscriptions. You got stars. You got, you know, the HBOs. You got the Hulus. You got the comic book subscriptions. You got whatever. There's so many different subscriptions out there. And I know that could be really a big hassle. Well, Rocket Money helps you out, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know how much your subscriptions actually cost? Most Americans think they spend around 80 a month on subscriptions. But the actual total is closer to 200 if you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money because you don't want to be stressed about, about that, guys. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. That's right. That's right. So you're probably one of them. Uh, like the Stars app, just to watch one show, maybe Paramount Plus. I watched that for the show Players or Picard, which I have to see season three of. But, uh, you know, every now and then I kind of forget. You know, maybe I'm not going to watch anything more. And this is what happens. Well, Rocket Money has you covered, and it's really fantastic. Um, it'll quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And for any you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit cancel, and Rocket Money will cancel, cancel it for you. It's just that easy. It also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money. You know how much that saved them? Up to $720 a year, the average person. Crazy, right? It's nuts when you think about it. It really is. So stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash MLB. That's rocketmoney.com slash MLB. And we're back, everybody, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Killing it, I think, as usual, just like the Padres have been uh, when it comes to their team so far. I think that so far throughout the season, though, again, I really want to emphasize, they've been steady. They haven't been outstanding. They've had some good players. I just mentioned with the, the bullpen that I think that that's going to um, be a strength for the team down the line. I just think that, you know, they've had a blow up by Wilson and, you know, they've just had some guys that have been a little bit frustrating. But I think overall they'll be better there. But granted, 14th in starting pitching ERA and 20th in relief pitching ERA isn't the most exciting in the world. Now we have to talk about the offense. <laughs> the offense has been... Oh, man, look, I talked about it at the top of the show. That Xander, or not Xander, the Soto-Manny-Tatis moment was a really great encapsulation of what it's been like watching the Padres so far this year on offense. And for the most part, the big thing has been runners in scoring position. And that's resulted in, you know, some not overall great team statistics either. Before we even mention the runners in scoring position, uh, there's currently 22nd in batting average, 16th in on-base percentage, 14th in runs, 12th in home runs, 15th in slugging percentage. That's not great. That's not great, ladies and gentlemen. That's the definition of a mid-offense. And we ain't from the Midwest. We should do a lot better than that. <laughs> that was mean. That was mean. But that's like the joke when they said the mid. I remember that's where it came from. They call it the Midwest because everything in it is mid. That's that's where the joke comes from. I'm not trying to be mean to my Midwest folk. Uh, that's where the joke comes from. But so far on the season... It's been runners in scoring position. There's currently 29th in the league and with batting average and runners in scoring position, hitting only 210. The only team that's worse than them so far has been the Detroit Tigers. That's right. Teams like the Oakland A's. Teams like the Seattle Mariners, who seemingly haven't been able to score all that much this year. The Washington Nationals seemingly have been better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Not great, right? And if you don't want to go by just batting average, in terms of WRC+, plus, the Padres are the fourth worst team with runners in scoring position this year, uh, which says a lot. The only teams worst being the Colorado Rockies, the Kansas City Royals, and the Detroit Tigers. And that's where the, the Nationals actually are, 26, by the way. But that says a lot, in my opinion, about the offense and kind of explains those problems. They just haven't been clutch at all. And last year, the team was incredibly clutch in a lot of ways. You had big hits from Hassan Kim, um, Mr. Jakob Jacob. I don't know why I call him Jakob. Jacob Cronenworth, uh, every now and then, he was getting hits with the team with runners in scoring position last year. And that says a lot. And then Manny Machado, of course, part of the reason he was almost the MVP and should have been the MVP was because he was driving in runs. He was the captain of the offense. And while the San Diego Padres offense in 2022 wasn't incredible, they did enough and came up with the hits when they needed them. Even guys like Luke Voigt, remember remember him? We miss you, King. Uh, would have big moments. And with this team so far, the offense has been pretty maddening uh, in a lot of ways. And I think that when you look at just... Um, what this team did in the offseason. You bring in Nelson Cruz. You bring in Matt Carpenter. You, of course, bring in um, Xander Bogarts on that huge contract. And don't get me wrong. He's been amazing. Let me be very clear. But uh, they unfortunately just haven't really, you know, managed to, you know, break out the way that I think people wanted them to. I mean, if you just want to go by something like offensive rating, um, they haven't been terrible. They're 13th in baseball. But, um, you know, in terms of war, a lot of the reason that they're up there in um, wins above replacement, according to Fangraphs, uh, they're at 14th, is because of their defense. The defense for the Padres has been good, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. It hasn't been that bad, actually, as as many people, including myself, expected. Um, but runners in scoring position is the thing that's been killing them. Uh, they're able to draw some walks every then, now and then. Trent Grisham has had a very splendid bounce-back season for the team. And look, I appreciate that. We love you, Grisham. You're fantastic. It's so great to see that you're not going to be the worst outfielder offensively in the game, because that's kind of what it was like last year. But in terms of just overall numbers, uh, the big thing that's happened is, first of all, Fernando Tatis Jr. just got back, and that's important to mention. But the second biggest thing has been Manny Machado. Uh, Manny Machado is currently rocking a 81 WRC plus on the season, which, based on the stat, is 19% worse than your average at bat. Fernando Tatis Jr., he's at 91 right now, but it's also he did just come back, so I'm not really all that concerned about it. And Manny Machado for a while, and if not for that Mexico City series, he was one of only the 30 players in baseball with a negative F4 before that series, which shows you how bad he's been this year. I wrote about it over at um, uh, Just Baseball, gave my thoughts on him. I think that overall the big thing is that he was swinging on first pitch strikes more than ever, and he was swinging outside the zone more than ever, which helped his batting average, but as a result, might have been uh, getting a little bit lucky with being so aggressive at the plate. Sometimes batters who, that I've noticed, when they're super aggressive and they're swinging at everything, even if they have great contact skills, I think Manny Machado's got great contact skills, but he doesn't have speed, and he's not Luis Arias, right? Luis Arias is a all-skill bat-to-ball guy, and I don't think that's all Manny Machado. He also hits for power, which is great. That's what makes him potentially a better batter than Luis Arias, but not this season. Um, and I think that as a result, the Babbitt, the fact that he doesn't have that as much speed, you know, this is a 2001 Ichiro Suzuki, uh, can't make up for it, and that's really hurt him a lot. But have to admit, he's been swinging a little bit of better bat lately, not just the Mexico City series, but even when they didn't get that hit in that Reds game that I keep talking about, he did make a pretty good contact on a ball that ended up flying out to left field. So I think Manny's going to get much better. Um, but it is a really frustrating start for him. 
In terms of the rest of the team, though, uh, Xander Bogarts. I mean, he's been the best player on the team so far this year. He's got a 138 WRC+. plus. He's been phenomenal, uh, and that's basically all you could ask for is 11% walk rate and 14% strikeout rate. Just awesome stuff. Uh, yes, you might be wondering, oh, well, his BABIP must be super high. Well, first of all, he's always been kind of a speed guy. Uh, you know, he kind of gets on base in that way to a degree um, just because he doesn't steal bases. Uh, that doesn't mean that speed isn't a part of his game. But uh, he's still uh, got a 304 BABIP, which isn't all that high. I think that his BABIP was just astronomically high a couple weeks ago, which suggested that he was going to hit below 300, which he is. He's currently slashing 291 with, though, a 378 on base and a slugging of 479. He has been awesome, and I'm not worried about him whatsoever. Even when he goes through the slumps and whatnot, I just think overall, he's got such a good eye at the plate. He's not swinging at bad pitches. And while he's not going to hit the ball as hard as a Soto or as hard as a even a, a Manny or a Tatis every now and then, bat-to-ball skills and the walk rate are excellent for him. Second and WRC Plus on the team is the much-maligned Juan Soto. That's right, folks. He is finally kicking into gear, and that happened especially over the last week or so. Uh, in fact, I tweeted out from the Lockdown Padres account yesterday, which people seem to enjoy. Last 15 games, Soto is currently slashing 288 with a 448 on base, 481 slugging percentage, and a 159 WRC+. Those are MVP Juan Soto numbers that we know. He's looked a lot better. Early on in the season, swinging through a lot of strikes, not swinging when he probably should have on getting a lot of called strike threes, but he's improved dramatically uh, as the season has gone on. And of course, I know, I might get some comments. Javi, you've been pontificating about, are we sure that this was the right move for the team? Uh, I'm not backing off of that. I, I still have emphasized that there's a gray area in my take on the matter, which is, if you knew the team was signing Xander Bogarts, would you want to have traded every single asset you have still for Juan Soto? I just think it's a good question to ask because... I'm not saying that you want an Abrams. As someone pointed out to me, he leads the majors in the in errors. He's a 22-year-old kid. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know, with James Wood, with Mackenzie Gore, who has been awesome for that team, with Robert Hassel as a prospect, just having all those assets, maybe you get to improve around the edges with some of these other things we're complaining about, whether it be relievers or it be with you know bottom of the lineup guys. Maybe it be with catcher, right? Maybe you could make a move to improve the rest of your team. Um, without giving up every single asset you have. And don't get me wrong, I know that the farm has been gaining a little bit of steam outside of just like Jackson Merrill. There's a little bit of hope that, say, a guy like Runetto Dor might get replaced by someone from the minors soon, which would be great. I'll take it because um, I don't like Runetto Dor and he's just not very good. But um, for sure, I think that, uh, they, that they have a farm that has, is not just desolate. Right, but it's just a lot harder for them to maybe make those big impact moves. We'll see, though. We'll see as time transpires. I've often said uh, on this podcast that uh, a really difficult thing about um, what's it called about trades in baseball and doing trade predictions is that we really don't know what teams are going to do. For a lot, everyone's calling Jackson Merrill the best prospect, but maybe someone like Dylan Lesko is actually the guy that every team wants, and that's what it all. All it will take, right? Everyone always assumes what it's going to take to make a move, which I'm doing right now myself. But again, I, I just think that um, 
it's it's worth asking the question. But I will say, Soto's been performing a lot better. Hopefully, he reduces the amount of infield fly balls he has, and he swings a little bit more. I think he's been more aggressive and not letting those strike three calls just completely get to him. So while, yes, his 227 average leaves a lot to be desired, especially from his 280 lifetime average, 397 on base percentage, and the slugging has been going up, he's been really good. Um, but before we talk about the rest of the offense and a little bit of the defensive side of things, guys, I want to talk to you about something that is very important and I will not make any jokes about. I love making jokes during ad reads. love doing that, but I don't do it about this, guys. If you've benefited from therapy before or if you haven't, whatever, look, the bottom line is it is very important. It is very important to take care of yourself. Um, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you, and you never take a second to kind of just worry about yourself and what do you need? What are your mental needs uh, in these very trying times we have? And when you spend all of your time, you know, giving or working, you kind of may suffer through a burnout. I know I've suffered through burnouts before, whether it be as recent as last year or it be my senior year in college uh, for a lot of ways. You could fill in the blanks for why I might have gotten burned out uh, in college, but, you know, there is. It's just very important, and we're learning more and more how important it is. Therapy can give you the tools and find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others, your livelihood, and whatnot without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, though, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to whatever your schedule is, and that's really important. I am all for making therapy as convenient and as easy to use for everybody, as easily accessible, no matter what your kind of background is, uh, at least making it easier for a lot of folks. And I think BetterHelp is doing that. So go check it out, guys. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. And that's totally cool. Remember, hey, switching your therapist, that's important. You know, maybe not everyone matches for you. You got to find the right one that works for you. And BetterHelp helps you out with that. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnMLB. Go check it out. And we're back, everybody, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Hold on, let me just send a quick... Uh, look quick podcast a uh, quick uh, text message to someone who just sent me some very important juicy little gossip about the Padres oh yeah no not really uh it's just totally something separate let's continue talking about the Padres offense guys from my perspective what they've been doing so far this season we talked about Soto and Bogarts they've been phenomenal we also talked about Manny Machado and Tatis a little bit next up in terms of WRC plus is a batter that to be honest with you does not surprise me all that much and that's Matt Carpenter so far on the season, he has a 129 WRC+, and a big thing for that has been just really good patience at the plate and his slugging percentage. His slugging percentage, next to Nelson Cruz, actually, is the highest on the team. Yeah, Nelson Cruz has a 507 slugging, which is wild. He's just been an ultimate batting average and extra bases guy, and he's he has, he's hit some home runs as well. Sorry for the stutter there. Cruz just doesn't have the walk rate, I think, to make him above uh, in the upper tier of Padres offensive players just yet. But uh, yeah, Matt Carpenter has been awesome. Every now and then I get worried when I watch him hit that throwing cutters inside, you know, low and inside seem to get him a lot. But his swing looks majestic at the plate for the most part. Second coolest swing on the team, dare I say, aside from uh, Manny Machado. Uh, he's looked really great. And it's 
I know that the Yankees fans that I'm around living on the East Coast have been complaining a lot about how that team brought back Isaiah Kiner Falefa, but they didn't bring back Matt Carpenter. Whoa! Everyone, hey, don't pour one out for Yankees fans. Just a toast to Yankees fans for, for some reason, being the richest organization in baseball and continually not doing what it takes to put themselves over the top and being cheap and acting like they're the Tampa Bay Rays instead of the New York Yankees. So, shouts to them. Thank you for Matt Carpenter. Everyone, right now, right now, I want you to take your glass, take your phone, whatever you have. Just... Give it a toast to the New York Yankees and appreciate them for Matt Carpenter. I think this is going to continue. I don't think he's a batting average guy. I don't expect that to improve, to be quite honest with you. And that's fine. Um, that's totally fine. I think that he's going to be a power guy who drives and walks and might even be a cleanup guy for the team every now and then. I mean, seriously, I, I think that he's been really excellent in a lot of ways um, in that department. So he's been awesome, and I expect it to continue. After him is Trent Grisham, who has been... In my opinion, I don't I don't want to say surprise is a little strong, but honestly, surprise. I was really worried about the guy, but he's rocking a WRC plus of 120. I imagine that'll go down by a little bit, but his overall slash line looks very similar to what we were hoping for uh, from Trent Grisham, I think, heading into 2021 and 2022, which is not the highest batting average, but he's got a decent walk rate. So far on the season, he is slashing an impeccable 236, 347, 443 slugging percentage. That's a big thing with him. He's gotten a lot of ba extra base hits. He's gotten home runs. And while he's still striking out a little bit too much for my liking, 27.2%, yes, he can draw some walks, 13.6%. Uh, only Carpenter and Soto have better um, walking rates currently than Trent Grisham on the team. But uh, I, I would like to, to cut down on the strikeouts. But at least this year, it's not a lot of slow dribblers. Right, He's a lot more aggressive at the plate this year. He looks sharp. He is not falling for those inside curveballs and fastballs that killed him so much last year. Not watching strike three calls. Not getting called th strike threes. He's get, he's swinging for stuff. Uh, and he did not do that last year, which is what resulted in a super low batting average and being a below average offensive player. Um, and I think that you couple that with the defense... He's been, I mean, I, I I love it. I love that he's back. I never had anything against Grisham. It's just really cool to see that he's improved and kind of brought himself back from the brink. My only take on Grisham was if you could trade him for Pablo Lopez, like I'm interested, right? That was my only take on Grisham. You guys could look it up. I did not want to trade him as much, and neither did I want to trade uh, some other players on the Padres, like Hassan Kim who unfortunately, by the way, hasn't been that great, 96 WRC+. plus. I think that'll go up a little bit, but still an electric defender, and I think he's going to get at least being an average offensive player, and that's fine for this team. Everyone, stop talking about how much you want to trade Hassan Kim. I don't know why people are doing this. Yes, if he's the number one guy on your team, you're in trouble, but he's not. He's a useful, versatile defender who can be an average offensive player. And to be honest, he's got really great vibes. That's all I need from Hassan Kim. Stop trying to trade this guy. I don't know why everybody's doing this. It's been maddening to see. Seriously, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand why people keep trying to trade this man. Poor, poor, poor guy. It's just, I don't get why, why they've been doing this. Um, but, but, ladies and gentlemen, that's not all with the offense. Let's continue. Speaking about the rest of the team, talked about Nelson Cruz a little bit, 120 WRC plus on the season. Mr. Jake Cronenworth, 104 WRC plus. That should go up a little bit, and I like to see that his batting average is at 241, but the walk rate hasn't been as great this year, 8.6%, and he's striking out a lot more, 21.1%. So I'm a little bit worried 
about Cronenworth. I just I'm worried in the sense that not that he's going to be a bad player. They just extended him. Um, I think it was, was it before the season started. I think they did. Yeah, was it before the season or in the middle of the season? I remember. I remember, but I'm a little bit worried that based on what I've seen this year, that he just is what he is. And that last year was a little bit closer to what we can expect from him. Versatile defender. He can hit for a decent amount of power. He can draw a decent amount of walks, but for the most part, he's not going to do too much. He's not going to whiff at a lot of pitches, which is very nice. In fact, he's in the 84th percentile uh, in terms of whiff rate among all qualified players, which is great, but he's just not making the best kind of contact. His swing looks nice. But he's just not doing all that much. I think it'll get better, but I'd like to see a little bit more. Maybe he can get better down the road. I mean, he's going to be on this team for a long time, right? But as of now, I just think he is what he is, which is totally fine. If I'm going to praise Hassan Kim for just being what he is, then I think I'm okay with Cronenworth. Only difference between Cronenworth and Kim is that Cronenworth plays a position currently, currently, at first base that you're usually trying to get a lot more offense from just when you look at the rest of the league. Uh, you know, what you get at first base is supposed to be a lot better offensively than what we're getting from Cronenworth right now. But again, it's still early uh, for sure, but that's a little bit of a worry of mine so far on the season. You've also had some other guys worth mentioning. Austin Nola, 48 WRC+. He's been atrocious. I have been banging the drum on giving Luis Campizano a shot. He hasn't been that much better, 70 WRC plus on the season. But when he gets back from the IL, hopefully he can get a little bit more opportunity. But if there's going to be something that stops him from getting opportunity, that's the last thing I wanted to talk about, guys. Um, someone actually left me a comment the other day. I don't have their name right now. But they were like, is Javier watching the same team as us? What do you mean bad defense? And I just want to uh, address that. I don't think the Pirates have been playing bad defense necessarily. I'm just really worried that they could be. Uh, but in terms of so far through the year, in terms of outs above average, the Padres are fourth in Major League Baseball. It's a two-way tie between them and the Brewers. Or I'm sorry. No, they're just straight up fourth. My apologies. Uh, the only teams better than them in terms of outs above average have been the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Detroit Tigers, and the Seattle Mariners. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But then, if you look at defensive runs saved, they fall to 11th. Again, that's basically like defensive runs saved is like more like just positional comparisons versus outs above average, which is just everything in general. Um, but so far on the year, I'm still a little bit worried. And I know that this isn't based on stats. I am just worried that overall they've had a lot of players change positions and that just the sheer shakeup of the lineup may cause some issues, especially down the line as we go further into the season. But there hasn't been really all that much bad defense. While Manny Machado has been atrocious at the plate for the most part, he's been excellent uh, defensively, which he always is, which is great, which is probably what's keeping him in the positive when it comes to his total F-war win. Um, uh, his, his total F-war... Hold on. His F-4 total. I don't know why. Total F-4 total. That was a weird way of saying it. But he's in the 89th percentile in terms of that. He's been very good defensively. He's made some spinning, you know, like kind of turnaround throws to first base, which have been awesome to see. Uh, I, I love that. I love that he's playing a lot better. But it is still worth uh, pointing out that the Padres, because of all the different uh, positions that everybody's playing, I'm still a little bit worried. But in terms of overall, there has been some pluses. Juan Soto. I talked about it a lot before the season. For him to win the MVP, my biggest thing, my biggest concern was defense. Last year, one percentile and outs above average. He was atrocious. You saw him. And you've seen him at the beginning of this year. He had a couple fly balls at him and Grisham. There was some miscommunication. He's had some drops the first two games of the year against the Rockies. He looked atrocious. But 
ever since then, he's cleaned it up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? He's currently 67th percentile in outs above average, and he's got an outfielder jump in the 77th percentile. Arm strength in the 60th percentile, that's not bad. I don't think he's going to be a gold glove guy. But my biggest thing was, and you can go look up my preview before the season, if Juan Soto cleans up his defense to at least being average and not like a liability that it was last year, then that's how he wins the MVP. That's what makes him more of a complete player. As long as he's not atrocious defensively, I think the bat eventually will come. I think he's just too talented and that eventually he'll figure it out. And even if he's only a 240 batting average guy, if he's walking at a 400 on base rate and he hits for power, then the batting average might not even matter that much. So I'm not as worried about that. My biggest worry will be the defense. And so far he's shown some improvements there. So that's very cool to see. Although I have my suspicions. Um, The next defender to talk about, Everybody knows about Grisham. He's been awesome. He's been making some diving catches lately, too, which I like to see getting on the highlight reel just a little bit more. Um, Fernando. Fernando Tatis Jr. And by the way, it's also worth mentioning that Grisham, in terms of outs above average and all that stuff, hasn't actually been as excellent as usual. I think that'll get better, but not as excellent as usual. 55th percentile in outs above average, outfield jump, and 65th percentile in arm strength. He'll get better. I think he's going to get better, but it's... Worth bringing up, you know, different outfield partners. You know what I mean? Maybe that's throwing him off a little bit. Uh, Nice to see his bat getting better. But in terms of defense, I've been really impressed with Fernando so far. I think he's shown a lot of moments, even in his first game uh, for the season. You know, he struck out two times. He went 0 for 5. He wasn't that great against the D-backs. But he made a nice kind of running catch at the end of the game. He's looked speedy. In terms of outs above average, he is in the 79th percentile so far. And in terms of outfielder jump, here's the kicker, 96th percentile. All those peripherals that people have talked about for why Tatis could transition doesn't always happen. Doesn't always happen. You can't just assume these things. But a reason why people thought he can transition to the outfield is the crazy athleticism, the speed, and just the instincts and everything that he has the arm strength to. And so far, he's shown it. He hasn't necessarily made like these diving web gem catches, but he's gotten a couple outfield assists, some in Mexico City series. Yes, I know that sometimes people gave him some crap. He was trying to throw the runner out, getting to third when he should have just thrown it to second. That's happened a couple times, but for the most part, he's got the speed. Soto, by comparison to me, looks a little bit more like a tree sometimes <laughs> when he's in the outfield where I'm like, okay, like l- l- let's let's get a movement on it. Um, but with Tatis... In terms of eye tests, he looks a lot faster. He just looks like he's got a pep in his step. Like he's ready to go out there and make big plays, which is awesome. That is a huge thing for him and what has been, in my opinion, one of the nicest, like little cherry on top so far for the Padres uh, this season. is just the seeing how he has just like, you know, gone to the outfield. The biggest thing for him was kind of similar to Soto. Just don't be a liability out there and we can deal with and we'll deal with it. And instead, he's been a plus defender, and I like that so far. Granted, in a very, very small sample size, but I really like what I've seen from Tatis. And I like for what I've seen from the Padres off uh, defense in general. Again, fourth in Major League Baseball and outs above average. That is not um, an accomplishment that should be taken lightly. Um, it's very, very cool so far. I just question how legit it is. I'm not worried about your Grishams. I'm not worried about your Hassan Kims. But... Just there's some questions. Xander Bogarts, who I haven't talked about, he's been fine. I know that people get a little bit scared by his arm strength not being exactly the best. Uh, I think that's been more of a product of just what has been hit to him that he hasn't had to use his arm. Again, this is just me based on the attempts that he's had uh, for the year. Again, arm strength isn't his greatest strength. Uh, ugh. 
I've been repeating words today. Uh, 19th percentile in arm strength so far, but he's been making the plays. He hasn't made anything necessarily as phenomenal as your Kim, right? Or even even the Air Tatis jumping catch, right? But he's been steady, and over the past week or so, he's seen more attempts. Someone actually asked me a couple weeks ago, what do you think of Xander Borgart's defense? And I actually genuinely thought a couple weeks ago, we hadn't seen enough attempts. And yes, the arm strength was a thing, but my thing was, well... He's had, like, really fast grounders hit to him and slow batters running to first. I'm not really worried how fast the ball gets there, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Now, if it's a fast runner, I do want to see how quickly he's getting the ball at first base. But uh, he's made some really good plays over the past uh, couple days, a couple series, I should say. Mexico City, he made a nice grounder kind of snag play, uh, really showing off the glove. And I think he was a question mark into the season because every year before last year, he wasn't disastrous at short, but he was a little bit of a negative defensive player for the Red Sox, just according to the numbers. I didn't watch him as much on the Red Sox, but last year he was excellent. Everyone's like, okay, right before your contract, you're going to finally play really good defense. Well, so far he's shown that he's certainly not going to be bad. Uh, So that is my big perspective on Xander Bogarts. And in terms of behind the plate, yeah, not as good. And I alluded to it before. I still want Luis Campuzano to, to get some starts. But it is worth mentioning that there were some catching metrics that came out um, on, you know, all qualified, like 70, the 70 catchers that have, um, you know, caught the minimum quality of pitchers. What's what's it called? Uh, let me see if I could just bring it uh, bring it up so far. Um, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I could find the tweet. Um, I'll see if I can find it while I record this. Um, but in terms of the 70 uh, from baseball reference that they kind of. Um, accounted for um, the 70 catchers. Uh, Luis Campuzano was 70th in terms of um, like frame rate, essentially. Basically, a, a statistic that was showing you how good catchers are at framing balls and strikes, and he had been pretty bad. Uh, 70th, to be specific. Nola wasn't all that much better. He was around the 50th mark, but I think that that at least gives us a little bit of a reason for why the Padres might not be Uh, playing him as much. And here we go, actually. Uh, Baseball prospectus framing values. You can probably trust going forward. At the beginning, William Contreras and Joey Bart were the best. Shea Langoliers was pretty bad. And then Luis Campizano, uh, one of the worst in baseball. 70th among qualified, 70th. And if you take that and parlay that over the course of a season, he could cost the Padres up to two, two to three wins. That's how bad the pitch framing stuff was. I would still argue that I don't like using giant projections for players who literally just don't get any specific uh, set amount of playing time, consistent amount of playing time, and they're young and they've never had a chance. And that assuming, well, if they keep winning this guy, if they keep playing this guy, they're going to win three less games. I don't like projections like that sometimes. That just doesn't seem fair to me. You know what I mean? For a player as unproven as Campizana. So I still want to see him get a little bit more of a test at the plate. I still want to see him... Use that bat that I think has a much bigger upside than um, Austin Nola for sure. And we'll see how that all goes. But I'm just bringing that up because Campuzano Hive, we remain strong, but it is worth bringing up. Okay, maybe that was one reason for why the Padres are so resistant to use him yet. I still think just give the kids a chance, though. That's that's still my perspective. But this, ladies and gentlemen, has been a little bit of a little bit of a chunky boy, extra long episode of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres um, that you can find. Um, 
Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. Give me your thoughts on all of my kind of breakdowns for the Padres as a team and their statistics so far through the year. I think it's been okay. Hopefully they blow up and go nuclear by the time I do another monthly sort of uh, recap on this. But for now, they are okay. They're steady. They're steady as a team, and I think things are going to get better. But, uh, you know, this has been a blast covering uh, the team, and I'm really excited for the remaining months and whatnot as we head into the summer, the long-gone summer, some might say, the the dog days of summer, some others, like myself, especially in August, might say. Uh, but it's it's been, a, it's been a good ride so far. There's still been some cool moments. And with the team getting Musgrove and Tatis back, uh, hopefully that's what they needed and they're more complete. And things are just going to, we're going to, we're going to ride on down. We're going to kick the Dodgers butts this weekend. In terms of the next episode, I will be recapping this Dodgers series from over the weekend, giving my thoughts on it. The first of what will be, I predict, many intense showdowns between the Padres and the Dodgers this season. Uh, then probably going to do a crossover with the Twin Toast over at Locked On Twins. Then they've got another series against the Dodgers. So it's it's a good, fun, extra week uh, to be excited about, I think, for Padres baseball. So, guys, remember to subscribe on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter, uh, Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres. Until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.